Hey, Rockheads, it's time again for NDC, an incredible developer conference held annually in Oslo, Norway. Richard and I will both be there, of course, but check out this all-star lineup. Troy Hunt, Rob Eisenberg, Scott Allen, Oren Eni, Michelle Bustamante, Damian Edwards, Brock Allen, Dominic Beyer, and many more. Register now at ndc-oslo.com. NDC, we'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1283, with guest Tom Spillman. Recorded Friday, March 25th, 2016. Hey, 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 it's Carl and Richard, .NET Rocks time again. Yes. Yes. And it's definitely, definitely spring. Yeah, it is. And this is going to be one of my favorite shows because, well, we obviously had a great time at Build. Um, I think we will have a, yes. had a great time. But, <laughs> More time shifting. But we have learned a few things that have happened there and, you know, life marches on and we have more to talk about. So this yes. is, uh, I'm really, really excited to have Tom Spillman on with us talking about Monogame. So, uh, but first it's time for Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? Well, this is show 1283. Jeez, oh, 1,283 shows. Can you believe that? Yeah, I, I can. I, and we're staring 1,300 in the face, dude. <sighs> yeah, it's sort of like birthday parties, you know? The, the, the first 100 is really a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> but after 1,200 and something of them, whatever. Yeah, it's like, don't remind me. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to mention that because the Better Know Framework pattern for URLs is 1283, or show number, .pwop.me. And right. if you go there, 1283.pwop.me, you will get a, a thing that we've talked about on the show before. It's the ID at Xbox program. Right. Now, I know this would have come up in the show but I think it's so important that we just need to talk about it right up front. This is a program at Microsoft that enables qualified game developers of all sizes. And they don't mean, you know, your personal weight or size or anything. They just mean the size <laughs> of your company to unleash their creativity by self-publishing digital games on Xbox One, giving studios the tools and support needed to maximize their success. And yes, mono game is a big part of their culture. So, nice. yeah, first you apply to join, then you submit your game idea, then you get access to the SDKs and the dev forums and the middleware and the docs, and then you get two free dev kits, free of charge. And then you can publish, certify, and update your game without any costs. And they even have a go-to-market playbook to help you along the way. It's If you're not doing this, you're you're hurting yourself. Check it out, and that's the ID at Xbox program at 1283.pwop.me. Who's talking to us today, Richard? So I had to dig back a little bit when you're looking for uh, comments on things like Monogame and so forth. But I found one. You oh, know, good. One of the upside of doing 1,200 and something shows is uh, we probably talked about everything at some point. Jeez. Oh, so, uh, yeah, definitely a bit of a dig here. September of 2013, show 910. Okay. Which is a show we did uh, with uh, Andrea McGornsky and Andrew O'Connor, who I think have both been on the show subsequent to this particular show. Mm. But, uh, and this was a show about building games in .NET. But this comment comes from Neil Danson, who's not oh, even yeah. listened to the show for a long time, but he was a guest last year or two years ago, 2014. That's right. And uh, Neil says, I recently attended London GameCraft. Uh, recently is two years ago, just, you know, almost three now, time shifting. Right. Uh, right. And we used XNA and F Sharp to build a pretty decent game in about 10 hours. Wow. Wow. Most of the, yeah. Though this, that's what they do with these things, right? This is the codathon mentality or hackathon mentality, building stuff fast. Most of the teams seem to go for either Unity, you can't argue with Unity, yeah, going, or great. HTML Canvas, right? Pure HTML5 approach. Mm -hmm. After the event, I took the code and in under an hour had put the exact same game together in iOS and, and Android using Monogame. Wow. This is truly the stuff of magic. Yeah. Imagine if they'd had this stuff in the 80s and the 90s. We would, we'd all still be playing video games for a living. Yep. It's such a shame that Microsoft seems to be dropping out of the hobbyist market for games with the death of XNA. Mm -hmm. 
Luckily for the small or hobbyist game developers, companies like Xamarin help take existing skills like C-sharp and F-sharp mm. and use them on platforms with some really nice APIs. And I'm also looking at SpriteKit for the iOS uh, apps. I'm already confused. <laughs> <laughs> Almost everyone I work with got into coding because of games. In fact, many of my coworkers have worked professionally in games. It seems such a shame not to have a first-class game API in the .NET stack. And hopefully folks like Batcat, and I think he's referring to Andre here, have big successes in their efforts uh, for things like this can only help the rest of us. Yeah. I agree. And I brought this up because, you know, we're going to talk about the next stage of the story, clearly, with the Xbox One Mm. and Mono Game. And in fact, Xamarin being part of Microsoft. Yep. So, Neil, hey, thanks for being a guest, and thanks for being a great commenter as well. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of the social media, because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook, and if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And you should definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin, and send us a tweet. We uh, pelt zombies with them in our games. And that brings me to Tom Spillman. Tom has been in the game industry for almost two decades now, uh, doing low-level game engine and graphics programming. So serious bit-twiddling there, kids. He's the co-owner and programmer of Sickhead Games, a small indie game studio in Dallas, Texas. And Tom is currently a lead contributor and maintainer of the Mono Game Project. Welcome to .NET Rocks, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thanks for being here. Um, We should probably just right at the start, clear up some definitions and confusing obfuscatory. <laughs> Did you like that? Are you uh, going for that? Okay. Obfuscatory language here in products. Can you just briefly run down the differences or uh, in these three things, which is XNA, Monogame, and Unity? And where's the overlap and how do they all fit together? Okay. So uh, let's start with XNA. So XNA was started, gosh, it was like 2006, yeah. 2005 or something like that. It was done by Microsoft. It was a it was a game framework. It's not an engine. It was a framework, right? So it provided you the low, the low-level API to be able to talk to graphics card to your input devices, yeah. uh, to your sound card and play sounds and have graphics and stuff like that. It was written in a managed language in C Sharp. Um, and it was, it wasn't the first of its kind. There were a couple things before it, but it really took hold. It took a little while, but it got really, really popular around, I would say 2008, 2009. And there were lots of indie games made with it. And technically um, it's sort of like a, a managed wrapper around the direct deck stuff and, and a high level abstraction of all that, right? Right. I mean, it, it's a, it was a very smart abstraction as well. They didn't kind of, they kind of, adopted kind of like the newer technique of how to apply things. But under the hood, they used DirectX 9. Nice. And uh, it got really popular, especially once they allowed it to be used on uh, where you could deploy your games to Xbox 360. Mm. And that kind of caught fire at that point because people were like, it's, I mean, it's pretty, when you see a game running on your PC, you make a little game, it's running on your PC, it's pretty neat. Yeah. When you deploy it to your Xbox and see it running on your TV with an Xbox controller, it was pretty fantastic at the time. And something that was, a little bit unheard of. People did had some homebrew stuff for like PS2 and PS1, but mm. it wasn't as polished as this was and as easy to do. And, you know, and it supported everything. You could set breakpoints on your PC and it mm. would stop on the Xbox 360 and you could see what was happening. It wow. was it was a pr- really fantastic framework. Okay. And it, it captured a lot of hearts and minds at that time. But it seems like it, it, it seems like that was kind of like, we didn't know it at the time, but it was starting to become the beginning of the end. Yeah. You know, because they had been going for quite a while and it wasn't picking up steam and suddenly it picked up steam and uh, people were interested in it. And then uh, a couple of years later, I guess a little bit after the Windows phone uh, stuff came out, they kind of just, you know, broke up the team and, you know, no updates have happened since then. So what about Monogame and, in- and Unity? So uh, Unity is a game engine. It's It's actually a full game engine with an editor and everything else. It's kind of like a a one-stop shop for someone that, you know, not necessarily doesn't necessarily know, have a lot of programming knowledge, yeah. but has a lot of design ideas. Like Visual Studio for games. You could think of it like that. Yeah, in a way. Right. But it's very kind of more uh, designer centric, you know, with, you know, and you can add code and script things and everything else, but it's more designer centric 
and uh, you kind of uh, pull everything together, set up your scene, set properties on things, and hit play, and the game's running. Yeah. So it's a very straightforward thing to do that. They do use C Sharp as well as a couple other languages. JavaScript, um, yeah. Yeah, JavaScript and Boo, I think, yeah, Boo. which I've never used, and a couple of other things. Um, so that's that's kind of like a full game engine. So does Unity have anything to do with XNA whatsoever? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. So where does Monogame fit into the... So what? Uh, how Monogame fits in is around 2008, 2009, uh, one guy decided, you know, I really like XNA. I really like how it works. I would really like to use this on iOS because, you know, yeah. at the time, iOS apps were starting to get really hot in iOS games. Um, I'd really like to use this on iOS devices. And Xamarin at the time had just put out, you know, their first versions of their iOS tool mm. or their, their C sharp for iOS um, at that time, or actually it wasn't even Xamarin at the time. I guess it was still Novell. Right. Yeah. It was still Novell. It at was that time. Novell. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so long ago. But not that long ago. It's it so is, much it, has happened. It, it's such a small amount of time. Yeah. In tech terms, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it had just come out. And it's like, Hey, I can actually maybe, why can't I use C Sharp to make games on iOS then? Because again, at the time, Xamarin stuff was primarily focused at app development, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what this guy did was he kind of made a mimic of XNA. He kind of like wrote some classes out that looked like the XNA classes, mm. primarily aiming at the low-level 2D stuff because that was the easy kind of approach. Yeah, Put some code underneath the hood there to call OpenGL instead of DirectX. Mm -hmm. And he could take his small XNA game, which was compiled against XNA on a desktop, and instead compile it against his library, which he had dubbed at that time XNA Touch. I think it's because at the time, Zam or the Novell tool was called uh, iOS Touch or something like Mono that. Mono Touch, maybe? Yeah, Mono Touch. Yeah. Um, he dubbed it XNA Touch and and shipped a couple games and released it out there. So it's been out there. Mono games have been around since about 2008. Yeah. Um, and over the years, it, it, it a lot of people shipped a lot of small games with it. And over the years, people were like, hey, this is really cool. Let me contribute to it. It was an open source project since the very beginning, originally on CodePlex. Um, and uh, they... Uh, they, people keep contributing little improvements and bits here and there and mm -hmm. things got cobbled together. And then uh, some code came in from, you know, a couple of other open source projects that kind of tried to do the same thing that kind of folded or didn't get as far. Um, some of that was pulled in and little by little it grew. Uh, eventually someone added, you know, proper shader support. Eventually someone said, Hey, you know, it works on iOS. Why can't I run it on a Mac then? You know, it's right. not that, a big jump. Let me try to see if I can make it work on a Mac. We already have OpenGL support. So they did that, you know, and little by little, it kept growing. I kind of joined the project in 2012, uh, where um, we were, we had done a game using XNA on Windows Phone, and we were interested to bring it to Windows 8. And at the time, the controversy was that uh, XNA was not supported on Windows 8, right? So that was a that was the problem that was that was occurring right then. So we had to find a solution. You know, the solution at the time was well, just recode it in DirectX. And it's like, well, yeah, mm. we don't want to do that. Um, we don't want to go to C plus plus and recode the whole thing. So we looked at alternatives, and one of the alternatives was I just happened to come across I come across a couple of different XNA kind of mimic libraries. Uh, one of them that I ran across didn't have any interest in Windows 8 at all. The monogame team, when I talked to them about it, they were like, fantastic. We'd love to have it, you know, and it's like, mm. okay, great. You know, so I started contributing. Mm. So we, uh, my, me and my team contributed the first uh, Windows 8 DirectX port of monogame. And from there, we've started hitting all the Windows platforms with DirectX support. Wow. Um, so that's kind of where I jumped into the story. Oh, geez. Uh, and, and that snowballed from DirectX to, hey, let's support, uh, Android to hey let's support uh, let's support uh, consoles you know we moved to PlayStation Four we moved to PS Vita and just the recent announcement of Xbox One support right so it's kind of snowballed from there and that's kind of like the story so far mm, okay and so now that Microsoft has Xamarin under its wing uh, has anything changed in Monogame not really I mean. Man, so much stuff has happened in the last year and a half, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, who would have thought, you know, almost two years ago that C Sharp would be all open source? Yeah, right. Like, who would have thought that? I mean, that would have been like, are you crazy? That's their, you know, 
they, I, actually, two years ago, people were saying, Mark, oh, woe is me. Microsoft's going to kill C Sharp and right. they're all going to do C++, right? The whole going native and push turned, that happened. It turns out that C Sharp has fulfilled the promise that Java originally made. Yeah, I mean... It? Yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, Java made the, the an open source language and, but it, it, yeah, Oracle's been running it with like a, hey, every year or two, we throw over the fence, you know, our open source code with our brand new features and announce them. And, right. you know, and it, Java's great for some things. I'm sure a lot of backend business guys are really excited about it, but right. in games, it really just never took off. Um, whereas C Sharp, it's definitely took hold with XNA and right. we're, we hope we're pushing it further with Monogame. Um, and yeah, C sharp's all open source now, which we couldn't have fathomed at that time. Mm. Um, Xamarin being purchased by Microsoft was a rumor for a long time and it never right. seemed to happen. But, uh, when it finally happened, it was a surprise, you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, it makes sense though. At some point, you know, we knew something like that was going to occur. Now, this is interesting because before Microsoft bought Xamarin, you would have to purchase licenses to build, uh, apps for iOS or Android with C sharp. And, mm-hmm. and how does mono game use, I guess you don't use Xamarin, Xamarin, you'd use mono instead, uh, uh, which is open well, source. How did that work? Okay. So how, here's how it works. Um, the, what we've always depended on is we've depended on, and this is good, leads into the story about consoles in a way. Okay. So we've always depended on a C sharp runtime to be on the platform mm-hmm. of some sort. You know, we write a library. We don't write a C sharp runtime. Yeah. So we on Windows, we depend on Microsoft.net. Why? Because it's there and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it works really well. And that works for us. On iOS, we depended on Nobel's products and then now Xamarin's products. So uh, I, uh, I guess Xamarin Studio for iOS is what we depend on at the moment. I see. Um, we have to have some side of C Sharp runtime. Uh, on Android, we depend on Xamarin's runtime there as well. Uh, on Mac, we can use either the open source mono or we can use Xamarin's mono, uh, Xamarin's product for Mac. Um, the problem with the open source mono is it's kind of falling behind. Right. Um, Xamarin kind of has the incentive to improve their product, but not so much incentive to like, hey, let's go ahead and make sure the open source version is up to date with that. So the Xamarin product is superior, but some people like to use the mono, the mono release just because it's uh, free to use. So you know. you're in, you're indicating then that if you in the past wanted to build an app with Mono Game that targeted iOS or Android, you would have to pay the Xamarin license fees. Yes, exactly. Okay. Which you know, for I mean, I've always looked at it like I understand people's frustration with that and like, oh, it's a thousand dollars, I can't afford it. I understand that, but you know, you might have spent a thousand dollars on cigarettes or beer or (laughs) coffee or something like that we only have to save a couple of days of work a month to pay for a thousand dollars pretty fast yeah Yeah, but i can understand how some people do that that's almost an impossible number and a barrier to entry you know that's yeah and xamarin's improved it they they offered starter versions and things like that and things have gotten a little bit better but i expect you know uh that things are going to get a lot better you know, right. uh, and we so, don't really know because we're recording this before build. We know what the announcements are and all that stuff, but the the way it hasn't really shaken out yet. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the listener may actually know more than we do at this point. Exactly. <laughs> Lucky for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we kind of know what might happen. Uh, the truth is, Microsoft doesn't really. I guess they they're really not in the selling development tools business anymore. Right. Uh, they've kind of gone to this. Hey, we want developers to use our tools so that they work for our platforms and our services right. kind of business. So the anticipation for me is that the announcement is, you know, uh, hey, uh, these products are free to use or they're part of your MSDN subscription mm-hmm. or something of that, you know, at the very least part of your MSDN subscription. Um, but who knows? So we'll have to see what happens there. Right. That being said, the Xbox team announced the support for Xbox One with Mono Game after the Xamarin acquisition announcement was made. I mean, everybody knew. Mm. Right. But I guess Monogame is not owned by Xamarin per se. It's just you, if you really wanted to be successful with Monogame on iOS and Android, you ended up using Xamarin. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was kind of like the your only option unless you wanted to do your own work of porting the open source mono to those platforms, which yeah. is right. a significant task. Yeah. And, you know, yes, the, the, really the, the Xbox thing... 
Yeah, first, I mean, Monogame and Xamarin and Mono have no relationship to each other. Like, nobody, like, uh, Monogame is owned technically by myself and Steve Williams, a guy out of Australia that, you know, has worked with me on the project. Um, so the fact that the, the prefix Mono is, was attached to the name of the product a long time ago, it seemed like an interesting idea at the time. But everybody always confuses Monogame for Mono, like they're one and the same, or Monogame is a Xamarin product. It's not, it's never been. Uh, they just happen to be friendly to us and help us out from time to time and help promote us. You know, it's kind of beneficial to them. There's a game engine that uses their products or a game library that uses their products. It's beneficial to us. They provide a C-sharp runtime that works really well on iOS and Android and various platforms. So it's a mutual, you know, good relationship, but, you know, there's no ownership implied or anything. It's kind of an independent product. Right. So Xamarin really has nothing to do with any of this. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that they help us out from time to time. That's, that's about it, you know? Um, well, and, and I got to think that the whole move towards the open sourcing of the .NET framework, the open sourcing of C Sharp, like all of these things make mono games life easier. Yes. I mean, that was, I mean, that was a serious problem. Like we talked to people that wanted to use C Sharp. They liked the language. I mean, people talk, listen to this have coded in C++. You have to admit C-sharp is a much nicer language to work with uh, for a lot of things. It's so nice that the latest versions of C++ are starting to take ideas from C-sharp. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it, people want to use it for games. People, I mean, the, the first time I even thought about using managed language for games was like, I don't know, 2004 or something. You know, yeah. uh, DirectX people were talking about would be really nice for DirectX to work from C-sharp. I mean, right. it's been a long time idea and it was always a question of performance and this and that, but the XNA team proved that performance is not a barrier here. It's not a problem. Um, and it, since then, you know, it's only been, our only problem has been making sure that we have a C-sharp runtime on a platform. And that was always the barrier for consoles. Like, I'd really like to use Monogame, but I want to port to this console and there's no C-sharp runtime there. What do right. I do? I'm stuck, you know, or a new device comes out, you know, somebody ships a new device and it's like, I really like to go on that console, but I can't because there's not a C-sharp runtime. Yeah. So that's something that we ran into several times and that kind of forced us to, I mean, we, there were two paths. There was a path of maybe you can use mono on those platforms and that would involve someone porting mono to the platform and it would involve dealing with the licensing, which, uh, which is a really weird situation right now with Xamarin being bought by Microsoft is that technically Microsoft owns Mono now because Xamarin owns the GPL license mm. licensing rights on the Mono runtime. Yep, so they got it all back. Yeah, somehow <laughs> the whole thing is back in one place. Thank in a way. you, Miguel de Acaza, for being yeah, awesome. I mean, it's a, it, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting how that's going to shake out. I, I, I expect that, Zam, that Mono, uh, the Mono runtime, the GPL part, right? Because Mono is like the libraries, the base class libraries are MIT licensed. Mm. And can be reused however you want, no problem. It's the GPL core, the part that provides the garbage collector yeah. and the JIT and things like that. And it's that, all part of uh, that is GPL now. license. And that's basically how the Xamarin's business model works, right? Yep. Uh, that part's GPL, so you can't ship it on a closed source platform without, you know, uh, either licensing it, if licensing it from them. So right. that was always kind of a little bit of a barrier, you know, at times. It was just kind of difficult to figure out a licensing model. If, say, PlayStation, you know, came at them and said, hey, we'd like to use Mono on a platform, the licensing got tougher because, you know, big dollars, big corporations. So it was always a difficult process. Um, so that was always a barrier for us. So we had to solve that problem in order to kind of move forward at the time. Now, this was all in two, two years ago when... The idea of C-sharp being open source wasn't even a concept. Mm. So <laughs> things might have gone a little bit differently if that happened a little sooner. But right. generally, what we ended up doing was uh, we got kind of fed up with it, or I got fed up with it, and just started writing a cross-compiler. And that's kind of what has made the uh, C-sharp or, or mono game running on Vita and running on Xbox One a reality at this point. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to see that... Um that Unity, for example, does sort of the same thing. But I guess what you're saying is they went down a totally different path then, right? Well, no, actually, it's it's funny. We ended up in the same place. I, I think right around the time that I started doing the cross-compiler, like a couple months later, I heard that Unity was working on one as well. Hmm. Um, they also had, I mean, Unity licensed uh, Mono for use on a lot of platforms. In fact, I think Unity was the one that actually first got uh, okay. Mono on iOS. I think 
uh, Miguel originally was contracted to help them. Wow. So you guys are buddies now, you and Unity. Monogaming. I, I guess so. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have lunch together. in battle, I guess. You know, we have the same sort of goals. Right. Um, but they, they had been using it for a long time, but they were on an older version and they were licensing things to work out. And I can understand the, and the difficulty of porting, uh, an, uh, the difficulty of porting to a new AOT process, right? Because mm. on these consoles you have, and on mobile devices, you have to AOT your code ahead of time, compile your code. Because you can't run a JIT on these consoles for security purposes. Just in time. I'm the acronym police. Right. Yeah, <laughs> good. I always forget. I'm too technical. That's okay. <laughs> the um, so that was a problem. So they had to have it ahead of time compiled code. So comporting that part of it to new platforms is very difficult, very uh, challenging process, especially when you're talking about consoles, where a console manufacturer builds their their platform to be optimized for certain features that they want to stand out on their platform, right? Yeah. The hardware is optimized for certain things, which means that your compilers have to be optimized to take advantage of that hardware and the particularities about that hardware. Right. Um, well, when you convert your AOT, you have to reverse engineer that and figure out how to take, take advantage of those same optimizations. So instead what unity did and what I did and kind of, we both kind of did it at the same time. Mm -hmm. They did it with a team of several people. I did it by myself on nights and weekends. Uh, so a uh, different scale of things, but, yeah. uh, what the, we both kind of came to was cross compiling at the time, two years ago, I think, uh, uh, Epic just showed unreal engine running in JavaScript on a web browser, which used, um, uh, which used a cross compiler technology to convert C++ code to JavaScript. Uh, and it runs fantastically. And I think at the time I had that in the back of my head, I had some meetings about that. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to write, there's no reason why I can't write a cross compiler from IL to C++ code. Yeah, it was just a nice little weekend project. Uh, kick back with a couple <laughs> of beers, you know, invite some buddies over, have some pizza. And yeah. Do a cross compiler. Yeah, at the time I thought maybe it was something like that. And it, it truly, honestly, early on, it was exciting because of how quickly you can make progress. And uh, you once you realize that there's a very small instruction set that kind of makes all the magic happen. Yeah. And if you get those working, it just works. It's amazing. And you're like, wow, I can run all this code and it's pretty amazing. Hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of little details and right. reflection and, you know, uh, metadata stuff that you have to store and all kinds of things. So the last two years, I've kind of been working on this in the background at the same time as uh, working on other uh, console ports uh, and it, it's finally gotten to a point where we've been able to release a couple games using it. And uh, unity is also starting to use it in some of their platforms there. There uh, there's, it's called IL to CPP, mm. but it's the same basic concept. We go from IL code, which has already run through the C sharp compiler. So right. it's, the C sharp compiler has already done some optimizations. It's done things like expanded, you know, uh, nice semantic sugar things like using statements, yeah. which basically equate into like try catch setups right. and uh, you know, your locks, which end up being monitor calls and all kinds of things like that. Or even like async code, it just spills out into a bunch of C sharp, uh, some actual C sharp calls. Mm -hmm. So it does all those optimizations. It gives us IL. We take the IL and convert the IL instructions to C code. Then we run it through the regular C compiler and compile out the code. That's so cool. The benefit, yeah. And the, the benefit there is that, the C++ code is run through the compiler for the platform that you're targeting, which means sure. that if Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo or whatever console manufacturer spend a lot of time optimizing their compiler to optimize for their hardware, you get the benefit. We, we get the benefit without yeah. having to worry about how do I get the exact same assembly output as their compiler generates. So awesome. Hey, uh, hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to announce our new gaming framework, Stereo Game. How can that not be better than Mono Game, Richard, huh? <laughs> Tom, you guys thought you were so slick writing games in Mono, but oh, guess what? Stereo. Bam! That's right. <laughs> Soon it will be Dolby AC51 games. What is the plural of monkey? Anyway, I don't know what that is. Monkey's... Maybe that's what we should find the word for. All right. Anyway, it's time to give away, in actuality, a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. 
But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant.net solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Shane White. All right, congratulations, Shane. Yes. Golf clap for you, sir. Well done, sir. And uh, Shane just won the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from Developer Express. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors to them. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. All right, Tom, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Hmm. Well, I was thinking about it, and I just came back from GDC, and the big theme there was VR, VR, VR. Yeah. So, I think I would just buy up all the different VR things that are out there. I might have enough money with 5000 to cover everything from, like, HoloLens, which, I, I don't know, maybe that breaks the bank already. I think that's already yeah. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe I don't get that one, but <laughs> at least I get, like, the Oculus devices and the Vive, which was really cool, and the, you know, the, uh, uh, what's the other ones? Uh, I guess uh, there's a uh, the couple ones from... Uh, Samsung, and then there's uh, and you got to throw a Connect gosh, in there, and get yeah, all the- Connect. I mean, uh, yeah, we have Connects as well. You know, um, there's a lot of AR VR stuff happening, and it's pretty interesting. I don't know how well it's going to shake out. It'll be interesting. It's a huge market at this point. Mm. You got to hold back a thousand dollars or so to buy a really good video card for your computer. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. You have to upgrade the PC a little bit to make that happen yeah. too. Huh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I think it's. It'd be neat technology just to have to check out and see what the possibilities could be. Um, it could be, you know, a big part of the future. You know, it could be, you know, uh, uh, maybe not as much of the near term future i think we'll have to see how everything shakes out there but it's really neat tech i've played with it and it's fantastic I, you know i think you're onto something tom in we've given away this five thousand dollar package now four times mm -hmm. and and every time it's been a dev kit of some kind right. it's been i want to build stuff for gesture right a connect kit it, or i want to mm -hmm. build for mobile or for touch that's that's what's actually happened yeah. what do you bet carl this year this year it'll be a vr kit right yeah, if we can even get him a HoloLens, I don't even know. Well, and I, I mean, I, I think AR, I, I don't even want to say them in the same sentence anymore because mm -hmm. they're so different from each other. I mean, yeah. yeah. Purpose-wise and so forth, they're so different from each other. Mm. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be very interesting to see where that goes, um, especially outside of the gaming space, but that's not today's show. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Tom, talk to me about how the whole Xbox One thing happened then. Were you directly involved in this? Uh, yes. Um, about, again, two years ago, we kind of approached, like, this is when all the cons new consoles were coming out. We yeah. approached Sony, we approached Microsoft, we approached Nintendo and said, like, hey, we're this little open source you know, uh, library we would really like to get on your platforms, which is a big ask. I mean, these are big companies working with the giant, you know, publishers and developers. Mm. Unity is like hundreds of people. Monogame is me and one other guy doing it in our spare time yeah. <laughs> kind of project, right? right? And a lot of online contributors to open source project, but it's still, it's tiny in comparison. Um, sure. So we went and asked about it and, you know, they were all nice and they're receptive to everything. But at the time, Sony kind of, jumped on it immediately like uh, we went in there and said like hey we'd like to be on your platform they're like we would love to have mono game on the platform mm. and uh you know how many dev kits do you need seven eight nine it's like no 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 <laughs> we're, we're a tiny little studio yep. we'll just give us two and uh <laughs> only two wouldn't you like to use two at once <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I guess i could wear one as a hat but i mean i don't <laughs> think i uh, i didn't really need that many of them it seemed kind of greedy <laughs> right to pull that many but uh 
you know, they were really aggressive about it. And I think it's because the previous generation, Microsoft had captured a lot of hearts and minds with XNA. Yeah. And uh, people loved the platform. And there was this big controversy, like there's no XNA on Xbox One, which, I mean, there are good reasons for that. But at the time, you know, they're shipping a new console. Their concern is making sure Call of Duty works well, not whether, sure. you know, someone's little indie app works i mean just like xbox 360 360 didn't ship with indie support it was like a couple of years no. later mm. when it was added so i think they correct me if i'm wrong app. tom with xbox 360 and ps3 they were mm. both very customized hardware where ps4 and xbox one looked from a hardware perspective they look like they're pcs under the hood really yeah exactly um that was a big generation shift like it's more mm -hmm. pc like and I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what the big reasoning there was, other than maybe make developers a little bit happier about working on the platform. Yeah, but, um, you know, but it's hard I, I to build it software helped. for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, in PlayStation 3 in particular, it was a difficult chore to get on that. You would often see games that worked well on Microsoft platforms and on PC, and then you get to PS3 and they work really badly. And it was, mo it was mostly because PS3 was hugely powerful, but it was, you had to really optimize for that particular hardware in a very particular way that caused you to really rethink things. I mean, the games that were made directly for PS3 were very, very good. The ones that were made for PC or Xbox and then brought to PS3 were always, were not as good. And right. so Sony, I think made a concerted effort to improve their development tools, improve their platform, improve their program and try to get indies onto the platform. Uh, and that's where they were like, Hey, you guys, sure. Let's get you on there. So that's what happened two years ago. And since then, we've done PlayStation 3, or PlayStation 4 support and Vita support. Uh, Microsoft always wanted to provide it. And we had a lot of fans inside of Microsoft that wanted to see it happen. But there were a lot of impediments in the road. But uh, sure. over the last year, uh, myself talking to Chris Charla, who runs the ID at Xbox program, and other people, we've been able to work out a solution. Uh, and since then, you know, we've kind of gone with... Right now, we're using uh, the, the cross-compiler that I did to provide a runtime on the platform. And in the future, I expect there will be, you know, some sort of Microsoft.net available on the platform. Again, the Xbox 360 has two sides, right? It has, the, it has a exclusive partition, which is where the games run, like the, the, the actual game partition, which uses all the hardware and is, like, specifically for games. So call it the native game area? Yes, um, there's a couple different terms they use, but yeah, the, a native game area. And then there's the app side, which is the one that was running Windows 8, now runs Windows 10. Uh, and you can also run games there. In fact, uh, that's one of the things that came out of GDC is that they're running games in that partition. Uh, and uh, we expect that, and Monogame runs in both. We currently run in the the app partition on Xbox One. That was shown like last GDC. It's just a regular Windows Universal application and it just runs. It's great. And I think most indies, that would be great. Uh, what we announced at GDC this year was support for Monogame on the native partition, which is the side where all the high-end games run. So uh, we now support both sides of that story, which is great. You know, it gives people options. And while Microsoft is signaling that it's going to be... there's universal applications are going to be more of the future of Xbox games. Uh, we still work on the native and that'll probably still be, you know, the thing that people want to do for the next several years. And typically when you're coding native, you're coding C++, unless you're right. in something like Monogame. Right. And Monogame, what we do is uh, you build your, you compile your game all in C++. Uh, at the end of the compile process, it kicks off the AOT compiler or the AOT process, which basically generates a bunch of C++ code, runs it through the C++ compiler, and pops out an executable that is your game that runs in native code on the platform. Okay. Um, Tom, we've talked on this show before about the idea of using Monogame to build UI apps, you know, just sort of like um, a, cr a good cross-platform, or maybe not a good, but another cross-platform uh, way to build mm -hmm. apps that would typically be done with... Um, you know, more specific UI frameworks, but there are frameworks out there like Monogame, GUI for you and other stuff that sort of makes it doable. But um, I guess one of the things that we've understood is that there's a large runtime or something that has to, has to come down to what, what's your take on that whole using, using a mono mono game or another framework like this for business apps. 
Uh, I th- I mean, I think it's probably not the best fit, but I know that there are some good fits. Like, I've seen a lot of uh, fancier, like some tools that do visualization of terrain or landscape data mm. where they need to render, like, a terrain, like a, a Google Earth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you need a graphics, a high-end graphics renderer to do those kinds of things. So, I've seen hybrids like that where it's a business app, but it, you know, or an app towards, it's really an app, but it actually uses games graphics in order to present the data. Right. Um, I've seen it with some graphing things where it's high-end graphs or uh, scientific visualization, you know, where they're visualizing MRI data and things like that. Yeah. So we've seen several people use Monogame for things of that nature before. So it's not unheard of. Um, you know, usually it's a hybrid where, you know, you have, you're using Monogame for the graphics, but then you're still using a GUI toolkit over the top of it for that's needed for the platform in order to provide the GUI parts. But you can also use uh, a third-party library that provides a GUI toolkit that's rendered within Monogame that works there as well. Um, so it can go kind of go both ways. I guess the difference is you're rendering those forms and things at a, at a much higher level than, than the, uh, the native OS could do by itself, huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's using a customized and some people like customized GUIs, right? Like mm. they want GUIs that are slick and look futuristic and different, maybe gamey in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some people like myself personally, like uh, a Windows app to look like a Windows app. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you like and, uh, the controls like, to behave like every other app you've used. Yeah, yeah. There's subtleties, right? Like does that cursor blink at the right rate? You know, is the key repeat work exactly right? When I hit tab here, does it do what it's supposed to do? Right. You know, when I press up on a drop down after it's been opened, does it close? You yeah. know, little details that a lot of GUI toolkits don't get exactly right. So it feels sort of like it, but it feels a little off and you're not sure why. Yeah. So that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but it just depends on kind of what you want to do. There's a lot of apps that like really customized visualizations and it's fitting for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can imagine, you know, you fall into that uncanny valley effect. And it, it bugs that's a good people. that's a good term for it yeah uh right you know it seems like it's windows but it's not exactly right <laughs> you know yeah it's just like uh, the robots I, that look a little too human it's like he looks a little too human but not human enough just enough to be creepy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that what creepy it is zone. yeah yeah i think i feel that with a lot of java apps sometimes on windows it's in right. the creepy zone <laughs> it's sort yeah, of like yeah, a windows app exactly it's not really <laughs> yeah well and there therein lies the problem i mean they're that's a good example of adding another layer to mm-hmm. what the operating system can already do by itself, just so that, you know, Java can render a text box, for example. So, right. you know, Silverlight had the same problem. You know, tabs yeah. don't really work all that well. Um, you know, tabbing and going from field to field feels like you have to click twice to get into things, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Little details. Little details. Uh, <laughs> the bane of my existence sometimes, you know, because I've done app development as well. And it's, you know, uh, you want to get those things right. Yeah. But in, in mono game, you know, you have your choices, you know, we, we have all kinds of options for being able to do that stuff. Now, uh, just writing a plain game, usually most games are written using like a very game centric UI system. Most games don't need drop down boxes and, you know, tree views and things of that nature. <laughs> you know, it's more simple buttons and text output, right? Um, it's usually pretty straightforward or like complex games that use 3D visualization to visualize fancy UIs, you know, in your environment around you. So it, it you know, we can take a, a lot of different forms in monogame. Can we dig a little bit further into the whole game side of things? I mean, it's always been a sure. fascination of mine. So if you've got a game idea, obviously signing up for ID at Xbox and so on, getting involved with monogame is a way to get the game on there. How do you sell your game? Wow, that's a huge, you know, question and problem in the industry in a way. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, really, the, my advice is start promoting and selling early and often. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you can't wait. You can't build your game, make your masterpiece, ship it, and then start looking at, into advertising and how to market it. It's like you've already failed at that point. If launch day right. occurs and you don't have a thousand rabid fans ready to buy it, you failed. Uh, You're already in trouble. That's why doing it in a community really, really helps because now you've got all these other game developers who also have their own fans and their fans themselves, right? Right. And we try to help, you know, whenever uh, we we encourage monogame developers, you know, when they ship their games to let us know, tweet about it, you know, let us know about it. We help retreat them and get get them some exposure. But again, still, we don't have a gigantic audience, but we try to help and get more people visible. And that's that's really the only thing you can do. Uh, Other advice, like don't launch your little indie game the same day that the new Call of Duty launches. That's probably 
you know, a uh, recipe for failure there. <laughs> uh, but we, but all these games for the Xbox One, they're only available through the marketplace. That's sort of a set thing, right? There's no really, right. other than your own marketing, that's the vehicle for getting the game. Right. And the idea at Xbox guys are great. They will help you with these kinds of things. They'll tell you, like, don't mm-hmm. launch on this date. They'll help promote you. They'll help you get good deals. You know, there's a, like, uh, there's a trade off where you can do the, you know, if you've ever seen the Xbox, uh, the Xbox uh, deals with gold, I think is what it is, where monthly there's a game that's free. Um, those kinds of promotions are kind of like, hey, you as a developer get a guaranteed payment for this thing to be free for a month or something like that. Mm. And uh, that's, you know, that's a negotiation between them. And sometimes that's a really good deal for you. Sometimes it's not. It kind of depends on what you want to do. So there's a lot of promotion ability uh, possibilities that Microsoft provides to you as a, a member of the ID at Xbox program. Uh, aside what about from the just whole you- in-game sales model, you know, the Farmville thing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that was not even heard of last generation of consoles, and yeah, now yeah, right. there's a lot of games that are free to play with in-game, you know, in-game purchases, you know, uh, in-app purchase kind of concepts. Um, yeah, or yeah, or or the play-to-win model. Right, I'm thinking of uh, the World of Tanks kind of games. I mean that right. is a massive game that's now finally yeah. on the Xbox. Right, the, there's it's, literally millions of players, and it is free to play. But if you spend some money, you get, you know, better bullets mm. and better tanks and things like that. Right. It's, you know, there's a million different ways to sell your game nowadays from yeah. I'm going to do a Kickstarter and get my money up front, build the game, ship it and hope that I make some more money and sales. Since then, there's, you know, uh, going to find a publisher that wants to fund and publish your game. Uh, you can just directly ship your game on consoles and independent. And, and this is a new thing for consoles where you as an indie can go to Microsoft or to Sony or anybody and say, like, say, I want to be a public, I want to publish my game, self publish my game on the platform. And you're allowed to do that now, which last generation was mm-hmm. not like really an option other than the Microsoft's, uh, uh, Xbox Live indie game program, right? So it, things have changed radically in this space. And, uh, it's going to be interesting seeing how it shakes out. Like, is it, you know, how can you have a, a game marketplace on Xbox One where you have a lot of indies shipping games there, but how do you keep it from not becoming kind of like the race to the lowest common denominator kind right, you of You don't want it to thing. be a swamp, like, right? Just piles and piles of yeah. crappy games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, the iOS effect, right? Where iOS right. was yeah. great, and then all of a sudden you get flooded with repetitive games that are the same thing reskinned or very poor quality or a million fart apps. I would you know, argue that that's kind of thing. what drives innovation because, you know, you get all these innovative communities, everybody swamps to it and somebody breaks off, does something a little bit differently and starts something new. And just because the fact that it's good, new, has learned everything from the last one and isn't crowded, people go there. And we see that over and over again. Right. Before we let you go, Tom, um, is there any killer feature of mono game that people may not be familiar with maybe a newer feature uh i would say you know that we're uh here in the next couple months we're going to do a bigger push into uh supporting vr and ar stuff better than we have in the past so at the moment we support it as as much as you know it's an open source project and you can make slight modifications to make it fit exactly the way it is but we're going to start integrating more of those modifications in there i would say that that now that we run well on windows 10 uh maybe by this time there'd be some announcements that a build that would be interesting to you um, with universal apps and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. sure. I just the other day on Twitter, I saw somebody posting a, a mono game, uh, a mono game game running on a Raspi- raspberry Pi three, you know, which works there because they loaded it with windows 10 and it's a universal app and it just, wor- just works. Great. Um, there's a lot of little things like that, as well as, uh, you know, just the fact, I, I think the big thing is that, with mono game, we kind of like you have a lot of choices on how you want to build your game, how you want to publish your game, yeah. where you want to br- what consoles you want to bring it to, or what devices you want to bring it to, and we're tr- always trying to add more of them. So it's just it's it's an open source project through and through in that respect. That's great. And are you still accepting contributors? Do you need help? Uh, <laughs> we can never get enough. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we you know contributors, uh, you know, uh, just come to uh, GitHub.com slash mono slash mono game. Or just go to monogame.net. There'll be a link there to uh, our GitHub repository. You know, read our contributors, uh, you know, uh, uh, read me that's in there. And uh, it kind of tells you, like, the high-level overview of what we're looking for and just how we expect things to happen. You know, it's normal open source stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, be courteous to people. Let us know if you're going to submit a giant 
pull requests with a bunch of new features that we may or may not want. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what's what's it's smart look- to have that conversation before you write all that code. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I hate rejecting people's pull requests, so I really like it that people read it first so that yeah. I don't ha- I'm not put in that difficult sure. position of <laughs> deciding what to accept and not accept. But yeah, we, we love contributors and anytime people want to contribute to the platform, that's great. And give me an example of a typical thing that you might need help with just, you know, from the list. Oh, wow. Um, tons of like there are little things like, hey, uh, this particular feature isn't working on this platform, uh, but it's working on these other platforms ah. to, you know, there's like little details like we're currently again, as an open source project, we struggle with keeping things um, keeping things running and moving forward, but not breaking old things. So we're pu- heavily pushing into unit testing on a nightly basis on all our platforms, which nice. is kind of required at this point, we have like 10 platforms might have more in the future. It's, mm. it's getting gigantic for two people to kind of run in our spare time. So uh, the, a big push into unit testing, getting more reliability in there and also looking forward to the future. You have DirectX 12, you have Vulkan, you have Metal, which is the new API on iOS, next-gen graphics APIs that will require some changes for something like Monogame, which is based on XNA4 to really take advantage of in the future. So that's kind of like what we're looking for moving forward. So there's a lot of really cool things that people can help contribute to. XNA lives, people. Check it out. Monogame.net. Tom, thank you so much. This is fantastic stuff. And thanks for being here with us. Thanks. Love the show. I'm glad to be here. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a...